2: You're listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast with contributors from MLSMultiplex.com.
1: Hello,
0: everyone. Welcome to another episode of the MLS Multiplex Podcast. As usual, it is Drew here. With Josh and Connor, but in a few moments, we'll be and my fun talking preseason, the crazy offseason. So be sure to stick around for our awesome interview with Alex. Had a super awesome time talking with her. But for now, it's just us normal three boring dudes. So guys, how's the past week been? It's been a crazy week full of soccer news. I feel like every week has been really crazy with soccer news. Uh, Connor, how has school been going for the past week and how has life been treating you as you kind of split your attention? I don't even want to say split your attention because I feel like you're fully focused on this Canada game right now, but you have a lot going on right now. And how has the past week been treating you?
2: Yeah. Uh, handed in first couple of assignments. Uh, so already rolling on that. Uh, I found out I'm going back in person come the week of the Feb, uh, the 28th of February. So we'll see how that goes. I'm not looking forward to it. Uh, But yes, I'm very distracted by the Canada game as Jonathan David checks out. Um, But yeah, uh, just grinding away. Two classes tomorrow and that's that. Uh, Nothing else exciting really. Uh, By the way, we're still doing that Zoom recording thing. Uh, And Drew's had a little bit of connection issues on my end. So... He may be a little laggy at points and robotic and cut out. Uh, apologies if that happens. Josh, you probably have done more things than I have. What have you done?
1: Uh, sure. Yeah, probably. Um, lots of teaching. Now that school is like back in the full swing of things, I've picked up a bunch of lessons students as well as my uh, usual high school teaching picked up a part-time job that's going to start in the morning so I have a 6am to 2pm shift tomorrow. So tomorrow's going to be a very long day and then I told my friend I'd help him coach in the afternoon. So I'm going to work my 8 hours in the morning and immediately leave to go coach and then I think I have like an hour or two of downtime and then I'm going to teach tomorrow evening. So it's going to be a very very long day for me, but that's life. I I, I would much rather be like this busy and sleep deprived and like I I don't do well with the whole sitting around thing like I, I can sit around all day believe me like I'm good at it but like for what it does to me mentally like I I just it drives me insane but I love doing it sometimes but too much there's too much of it happening so things are things are getting really busy for me um and that's just I'm, I'm glad I'm glad that's how I want it uh and also I doubt I don't think you guys have ever watched it but I, the Book of Boba Fett is going on in Disney Plus right now. And I actually don't have tons of friends watching it. Like, people don't pay attention to this stuff as much as, like, the Marvel Disney Plus series. But man, it has not been good. It's not, it's not been a good show. Like, The Mandalorian was really good. And, uh, but this, this Book of Boba Fett thing, they turned him lame. They turned this awesome Star Wars character lame. And then they had an amazing episode this week. No spoilers, but it was by far the best episode of the series so far and uh yeah no i can't say the the spoiler part but yeah that was nice though that was nice is my point it's nice to get a good episode drew how's it been you told us you're still in athens somehow but different different room this week (laughs) what's going on with you yes
0: yes that's why hopefully the internet isn't too bad here but i am surviving off the waters of 2021 technology but life has been good it's been not terribly because the S yes, school has officially closed on me now for about a month. I'm um, still in Athens working on wrapping up Georgia football stuff because it doesn't ever stop. And then when they accidentally win a national championship, it just keeps going. So it's been a lot of fun. It's been cool. Uh, almost done with a book. So that has been fun. Been watching playoffs. Uh, just got done watching the U.S. Men's national team. Soon. Uh, finally got, to get to watch the Hawks. Now my parents, uh, finally caved and got an ATV plan. So I finally get to watch the Hawks, which is exciting because now it looks like they're starting to turn it on or try young all-star. So that's exciting, but yeah, not a whole lot going on as the school part of my life has been closed. And now we wait and see what the next part is a lot of job applications, which is probably the worst part of life ever, but we're getting through it We're knocking it out. So. Yeah, not a whole lot's been days. Um, yeah, it's been cool. But what has been really cool, which I totally did not expect to happen, is we had a lot of North Americans abroad going on this past week, and we can do our normal setup because we had a lot going on, a lot of big news that I'm super excited to talk about. We can start. You know what? Let's let's work our way up. I think we know what the big one is, but we'll save that one for last. We want to. Uh, Josh Sargent scored a brace for Norwich on the same day the U.S. Men's National Team roster was released. And that's funny because Josh Sargent did not make the U.S. men's national team roster. He scored two goals. I did not see how Norwich did in that game,
1: but. They won. They it won. was the first time they've won back-to-back Premier League games in like five years. Wow. Like it's been forever since they've won consecutive Premier League games, but baby, they did it. They, and did they
0: finally it. did it on the hair of Josh Sargent. And Newcastle won this past week. Life is good. Relegation battle is ensuing. <laughs> John Joe Shelby against my leads against your leads United uh, but Josh Sargent got a brace for Norwich City and yes uh, let's see let's see what else we're going to talk about we'll save, we'll save that one for last uh, Venezia looking to sign Jordan Pifar. What?
2: Why didn't, you, why didn't you do the second most important story of the week we're
0: saving that wait what, what, what is the second most important to you?
2: you we'll get to the most important one to me and the most important one, period. But, you know,
0: if you're talking about. You're being Is very vague. I don't know what, to, what you want to say.
2: Continue. <laughs> Continue.
0: Yeah. Uh, that's looking to sign Jordan P. Uh, The clothing brand continues to sign Americans. That's exciting. Um, Yeah, that's good news. Uh, Bad news that I totally did not see until someone put it in the doc, but Daryl DK. Heard his hamstring. He's out for eight weeks right after his move to Europe. So that's a bummer for DK. I know a lot of people were excited about him finally going to go to Europe and leaving Orlando City, but it doesn't look like that's going to go off to the best start. If he's only eight weeks, um, and we will see what happens. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, guys. I totally don't know how to pronounce this guy's name for Porto. So if someone
1: wants to take that,
2: oh one, my God, you don't it's know the most. The there league. it
1: is. Ustechio? Is it Ustechio or Ustechio? See, Josh is an idiot. Stephen
2: Ustekio. He's Ustechio. the best Canadian midfielder.
1: Yeah, true. I am surprised you not know to, to say his name. I was wondering yeah. why you're skipping him. Uh, <laughs> is that the most? Is that the second most important to you, Connor, or the most that important? Is it He's the most important. Ah, it's not that. No. No. Yes. yes yes it is big though he was already playing in portugal right just for a different team
2: yeah he was playing for like Ferraris or something like that
1: he was like if i remember correctly weren't they they're like relegation threatened but he was like by far and away like their best player like the star of that team
2: yeah he's the best player on that team if i remember
1: correctly they're the team that beat tottenham in uh ucl in the in the conference league
2: uh i don't know i can't
1: can't something like that I ha- I remember them embarrassing Tottenham. It was like the week he moved there. You know, oh. This this was a long time ago, like over the summer.
2: Yeah, he's like their best player now, moving to Porto. We can talk about that in a second. Drew, say the last one.
0: Last one, last one, last one. Yes, Kevin Paredes is transferred to Wolfsburg for around $7 million. That is a big one. Is it the biggest one, though,
1: Josh? Oh, no, it's this. Just-
2: Third biggest
1: one. Third biggest. Yeah. Okay, hold on. Let's circle back for a second. I think, look, we can mention DeAndre Yedlin, okay? He's probably going to join us that yes. Oh, shoot, I forgot about that. Yes. Yeah, we were talking but, about that. but we <laughs> will discuss that more with Alex in a little bit when she joins us. She'll have some more to say about the Yedlin move, but that is a big one. I mean, yeah, the predis move is huge. That's a lot of money for a, a left back who wasn't even starting for DC United a year ago. Like no, Nobody was expecting him to be important for them, so that is huge. And I think he's like 19. 18 I think
2: even younger than that.
1: He's so young. And he is I I mean I'm not trying to say it cuz he's also a left back but this feels like the Alphonso Davies but like they're just both so fast. Like Paredes is just a freak of an athlete to the point where no matter where he ends up in Europe I think he's going to do really well, really fast kind of like Davies did in that sense. Will he become as big as Davies? No, probably not. But as far as like the acclimation over Europe,
2: I think Paredes will will fit in nicely. Uh, playing on the same team as John Brooks now, too. Although, Brooks is... Getting ripped apart in the media. Yeah. <laughs> poor guy.
1: I do got annihilated by Build, man.
2: Yeah. I feel bad for him. He needs a
1: move. Poor, poor JB. Us us JBs, man. I'm going to have to pour oh one my out for God. him tonight.
2: <laughs> Tell us the second most important story now, Drew. The, the most, most
0: important, important Second most. Because
2: how are you going to make a backup goalkeeper the set the most important transfer?
1: Because he's joining the biggest club in the world. Okay, let's chill out Whoa. there, Kevin. He, but yes,
0: he's not even the top
2: five team in his league in their league. <laughs>
0: let's uh, yes, none other than Matt Turner already signing the jerseys after a win. Reportedly, I think we can probably nearly say official now, like 98% official joining Arsenal uh, for a little less than a $7 you know, fee is what I saw from Tommy Scoops on Twitter today. I think they're still trying to figure out the exact date, but um, sometime in the summer is what it looks like. And I think the Rebs will be holding on to a sell-on fee. So that's super exciting news for Matt Turner, for Men's national team fans. And pretty sad news for the revolution because I feel like the revolution, that was their shot last year, but we can talk more about that. Connor's got his finger in the air. Josh has his finger in the air. I got my fingers in the air. <laughs> but Connor had it first. So, Connor, what are you gonna say?
2: You forgot to include that there's also add-ons, which could make it worth up to nine or ten million uh if he meets certain incentives. Um so it could be even more money for them. But yeah, he's not moving until the summer because New England want the chance to Find a replacement. Um, good luck doing that. Arsenal really wanted him this window. New England, I think, held pretty firm on we're not letting him go. So, uh, yeah, big move for him. The biggest move, though, is Eustecchio going to a top two team in Portugal where he will be an actual, most likely, starting player as opposed to a backup goalkeeper. Um, yeah, this move's been rumored for a long time. He finally gets this move. It's a big step up, uh, which I think is going to be very good for him and good for the Canadian national team as long as he gets consistent minutes. And yeah. Did you mention the Venezia rumor?
1: Yes. Drew did, did. yes. And then you started yelling at him because of what he claimed was the most important news. The yes. news.
0: It's usually how this works, yeah.
1: Who's going next? Uh, I mean, I'll go next. Speaking of the Venezia rumor, by the way, that's not really like, there's there's no real legs to that. You know, it's just really just a rumor right now, but it was reported by uh, Jonathan Tannenwald of the Philadelphia Inquirer, and he's a, a pretty good source for moves like that. So it's interesting to see what Venezia is doing as far as the American players that they gather. But uh, back to the Matt Turner thing, I don't really have much to add. I said my piece about Kevin Paredes. I'm super excited about that. But about uh, 20 minutes ago, Grant Wall tweeted out, Greg Burhalter Ber- on Matt Turner, quote, and now he's headed to Arsenal, end quote. So it seems like either Burhalter just unintentionally let, like, slip the officiality of, of Turner going or what, uh, even though there are some really strong reports anyway from Taylor Swallman, who first broke the news over a week ago. He obviously has been speaking to someone about it. So that seems like a very, very done deal. So that's pretty exciting. Uh, but other than that, I don't really have much to add with uh, all these other, I think we pretty much covered most of them.
2: Quickly, Mon Borean is God himself. Drew, which is your... You're really behind. Yes, I'm very behind. I know.
0: Um, my biggest move, I want to say Paredes to Wolfsburg, um, just because, yeah, it's a new exciting move. $7 million is not cheap. I think I saw it as definitely DC United's most expensive export and I saw it was like it was one of it wasn't Wolfsburg's most expensive purchase but it was up there and yeah Wolfsburg are kind of in the middle of a relegation battle along with um fellow MLS infused Bundesliga side Osberg um Wolfsburg's in 15th so they're hanging on for dear life so that'll be an exciting battle between him and Pepe get to see which one of those teams sucks it worst and gets relegated but yeah I mean it feels like this whole saga even Pepe you know is getting What's the word I look for? He was getting chased by multiple teams. Wolfsburg didn't end up getting them. He getting Pepe, so they went with Paredes, and we'll see how it goes. There's some interesting, you know, injury situations over there, but I'm excited about that. I'm excited to see, you know, anytime it feels like MLS player. I think we kind of got this vibe with Pepe going to a team that's by fighting relegation. There's kind of this expectation that, especially for a large as large of a price as these guys went to those teams for there's this expectation that you better help them win now, because if you don't, then things are not going to be good because you'll be relegated. And for especially like Wolfsburg, I mean, I feel like they're not, I mean, they're not a buyer gate or things like that, but they kind of have this big club idea and branding and stature. So for them to be relegated is not good. So there kind of has this feel of help us win now type thing. Cause we spent $7 million on you. You're young. Like Josh said, he's fast. He's quick. He can help them win. Um, so I'm excited to see that. I'm excited to see that relegation battle, see where that goes but just another young MLS player going to Germany, which seems like another hub for young MLS talent. And we'll see how it goes. A lot of standards set on left backs going to Germany, like we talked about, and they need to win now. So we'll see how it helps them out.
2: Yes. Yeah, and that's North Americans abroad. Um, we have a lot to get to, but before we do that, we're going to take a quick break, and then we will be joined by Alex Windley to talk some Inter-Miami Miami news. So we will be right back.
0: We are super excited to have a new friend on the pod, kind of old friend, kind of new friend, Alex Windley, Inter-Miami expert friend of the podcast, is joining us to talk all about Inter-Miami in the Alex thank you so much for hopping on the show how how are you how is life in Miami going for you uh
3: good thanks for having me on it's it's actually been a bit cold down here the last few days but uh yeah we've been getting on uh pretty well so
2: <laughs> be very careful in Miami. What say about the weather yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one it's of like, us is much much worse than the other three here
3: yeah <laughs> it's like 60 right now but
2: yeah, it's it's a
3: bit chilly. Sixty. Yeah, <laughs> that would be really nice right now. <laughs> oh, that's chilly for us Floridians. We can't do that. Oh,
2: that is spring weather in Canada. So that's funny. <laughs> enjoy that. I'm very, very jealous in our <laughs> negative ten Celsius every day. Oh. Yeah.
3: Chilly. Oh,
2: even thinking about that. Yeah, I can't do that. <laughs> you hide inside a lot. I'll say that yes yes uh, josh drew how are two how are you two doing josh you're in your u.s kit you just had a good result
1: yes yeah had to had to rep the winners of uh tonight's world cup qualifying match yeah no uh yeah good mood thanks to them it definitely could have been a lot worse uh i don't know if you guys saw the game but i th- i would say overall it was pretty good i had some mischances and things and got a little shaky at the end you know just had to make it a little little spicy but uh and it ended up being a good result. So yeah, I'm in a, I'm in a good mood.
2: True, you're in a new room. Yeah, I
0: am. I know I'm continuing the new room trend, but I'm still in Athens. We'll back in Athens uh, for one more last couple days, I think, I hope. Um, but yeah, doing good. The U.S. wind definitely makes it better. Life is moving on and continuing, but yeah, doing good, hanging out. The job search is continuing, but we're living life. It's good. It's not negative one degree Celsius here in <laughs> Athens, which is good. Um, but yeah, we're living life. It's good.
2: Well, we have Alex here, so we should probably talk about Inter-Miami because, frankly, if they have more than double-digit players from last season on their roster, I would be surprised. Uh, but we need to start with the most important player, being the legend that is... He is staying, <laughs> thankfully, although unthankfully because I'd like him on TFC. He's the only member from the inaugural season, I think, who's still with
3: Miami. Uh, Victor Ujoa and technically Robbie Robinson. Yeah, those and Iguyen. But yeah, those four. Yeah. Yeah. And her mommy got rid a lot. But yeah, those four, they, they've been here since what? 2020. So crazy. 2020,
2: That's what yeah. it was. Yeah, I swear, it's been four years. (laughs) Um, With this roster turnover and them getting rid of quite literally everybody, what are their prospects going into this season? Because they still really don't have a roster.
3: Yeah, I think it's a total rebuild at this point. I think with Inter-Miami, they wanted to get rid of some of the higher – well, they had to because of the sanctions – get rid of the higher-paid players that are – um, you know, not paying up, uh, up to their payroll basically. And they basically got rid of everyone. You know, Luis Morgan's gone. The Andrew Gonzalez Perez is gone. Rolofo Pizarro is gone. Um, who else? Nico Figao sold to the Boca. It, there's just been so much turnover, but uh, it's, I think it's a, a good thing looking at Inter Miami these past few years, it's not been what the ownership wanted it to be. So now with the sanctions, it, it kind of forces them to spend appropriately and, allocate the money in the right ways instead of just throwing money at, you know, Blaise Matuides and, and whatnot. So um, yeah, their prospects for the season, I think it's to still be competitive even though that they've been limited with the sanctions, but um, yeah, that's, their goal is to make the playoffs and, you know, they're not saying they're going to make top four or anything, but you know, if they fail to make the playoffs this year, I think that's considered failure for them.
2: Speaking of throwing money at people. They have apparently thrown quite a bit of money at DeAndre Yedlin, who is rumored to be joining. Uh, two days ago, it was rumored it wasn't going to happen, and now it is. Where where does he fit in? How much of an impact could a right-back, right-wing back, really have on Miami because their team needs a lot of help?
3: Yeah, I, with Yedlin, I think it, it's... Uh you know, Miami last night, they had a friendly against, uh, Universitario and they played a, a, a flat back three and, you know, and Harvey Neville was on the right wing back side and he did an okay job. But, you know, if you were to have Yedlin there, imagine the amount of width and, and pace you get on that right-hand side. And, you know, Phil Neville did say after the game that they're working on a couple formations just to play throughout the season and a back three is one of them, four, two, three, one, four, three, three. So with Yedlin, allegedly potentially coming in, uh, having a right back with his experience and, um, you know, his pace and and everything that he brings to a soccer team. I think it'll it'll be a significant upgrade uh, compared to all the, you know, tumultuous starters that Inter-Miami has had at right back going back to the 2022 season. It's never been a, a consistent spot for Inter-Miami. So bringing in a guy like Yedlin will just uh give Miami that sense of security at that right back right wing back spot while also bringing in a vet that can help kind of see Miami through these you know two years of sanctions and you know uh, just uh, complete awkwardness uh with the rebuild what
2: roster designation do you think he's
3: going to have do you think he will be a DP mm, that's a good question I I yeah, I, I don't, I don't think so because you know, well, obviously Blaze Matuidi needs to get bought out before that happens. So, uh, no, I don't think he'll be a DP unless Blaze, you know, his, you know, he's bought out. You know, maybe tomorrow, I don't know. But um, if Blaze Matuidi is not bought out, then no, I, I don't think Yedlin will be a DP. Uh, maybe a, a TAM level player. Inter Miami did, you know, trade away a lot of guys and to recoup some of that allocation money. So maybe he reduces his salary. I don't know, but. Um, Chris Henderson's an, an absolute wizard, so I'm sure he'll find out uh, how to fit DeAndre under the cap. Who are
2: the DPS right now?
3: Mm, uh, it's convoluted, but right now it's Blaise Matuidi, Iguain, and uh, Rodolfo Pizarro has been sent out on loan to Monterey, and yeah, that those are the three right now.
2: So, but doesn't that mean Pizarro isn't doesn't count as a DP
3: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, but the thing is, that's what we all thought. You know, obviously you loan out a DP. You know, he's not. You, you don't have a DP on your roster anymore. But it, I think it's because Monterey is not paying his full salary cap. I, I don't know. There's a certain like it's convoluted, but there's a reason why Pizarro's not. He's off the books, but he's not off off the books. Um, I think it has to do with like I've got to relook at the rules, but like there's a reason why it's because Monterey is only pay, paying um. You know, like a bit of his salary and not the full thing, but Inter Miami get about six hundred thousand off the books, but it's not his full uh, salary designation. I think I know there's a there's a, a obscure MLS rule be- because of this, but yeah, he's not off the books for for a money reason. But yeah, it's a shame because I think if that was the case, Miami wouldn't be bu- buying out treaty, But uh, you know, it is what it is.
2: I've been talking a lot, Josh. Drew, <laughs> do you have any questions? Well, first, I just want to say
1: that, Alex, you trying to talk through the rules is like <laughs> all of us trying to talk through all these ridiculous MLS roster rules, especially to people who like have no idea what GAM is. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's yeah, so it's easy to get so yeah. frustrated by all of it. Uh, but I wanted to ask with all this roster turnover that's happening, like what, in your opinion, have been some of the better moves as far as outgoing transfers, incoming transfers? Like what have you been impressed by, especially with Henderson and him, finally having a full offseason to himself with this roster, what sort of impressed you in terms of the moves he's made in going and outgoing?
3: I think getting rid of uh, Leandro Gonzalez Perez. I I know last season, uh, LGP said he did want to stay in Miami, but you know, he was on a a lot of money and he was, you know, maybe not the best fit for Miami. So um, the fact that they were able to move him on even to maybe even a better situation in, in River Plate, like that's, they're a bit, you know, one of the biggest clubs in the world. So the fact that they were able to move him on, was was a plus, I think selling Nico Figal, although he was one of Miami's better players, you know, Miami gets to recoup some of his transfer fee. I believe the reported fee for him going to Boca was about 2.6 million. So it's a good chunk of change for him. Uh, you know, uh, getting Pizarro off the, off, off the books, technically, even though that he doesn't open a DP spot, DP spot um, sending him back to Mexico, uh, you know, even though, you know, he just wasn't the right fit. Him and Higuain, they didn't play well together. Everyone saw Pizarro was liking shady tweets about Higuain. That relationship was, ugh, it was gone. And uh who else? Yeah. Like Lewis Morgan, guys like that. Like there was someone like the, the, the wages on, like I'm, I'm thinking about it. Cause there was just a lot of players on this roster that were on high wages, but they weren't performing to what they needed to be, you know, Lewis Morgan, for example, he's a fan favorite, but he did reg- regress in, in 2021. And uh, Chris Henderson was able to send him up to New York for, a, you know, a, a good chunk of uh, tra- uh, allocation money, excuse me. Um, and yeah, there's just been a bunch of guys that have left, a bunch of guys that contract options were declined, One, a couple of them that were free agents, you know, Federico to retired, Ryan Shawcross retired, you know, the sheer amount of outgoings that this club has had. Uh, this off season. It's, it's, it's incredible. I'm, I'm awaiting an athletic article detailing this off season in in detail one day, but yeah, it's been absolutely crazy.
0: Yeah. And I kind of wanted to shift away from the players, but I feel like it's almost been nearly a year now since Phil Neville was hired. I feel like it was pretty early 2021. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like we've been talking about players coming and going, what do you think, for him, if this season doesn't go... Yeah,
3: I think... His um, future inter-Miami. Oh, so you're breaking up a bit there. But uh yeah, with Phil Neville, I think he... You know, inter-Miami, especially with David Beckham at the helm, they want a specific sort of club you know with Neville and Beckham they're part of the class of 92 where you know the youth was brought through the ranks and you know went up to the first team and and inner Miami you know Beckham did state that that's what something that they want to do down here and you know last night during the friendly um, the second half was basically all pretty much academy products in Fort Lauderdale guy, a Fort Lauderdale CF guys so um, you know with Phil Neville uh, you know looking at the season um, he's definitely going to bring up a a bunch of uh, the younger Academy guys, you know, Harvey Neville is one of them, you know, got Romeo Beckham got some minutes last night, um, you know, Georgia Costa and Amay Mabika they got signed to the first team. So with Phil Neville, I think he wants to incorporate the youth a lot. As far as his tactics goes, I, I you know, you know, he could be better. Yes. But I think at the moment, at the moment that Inter Miami is in right now, um, I think having Phil Neville here kind of to just steady the ship, and maybe not go after that superstar coach that maybe intermined me one in the first place is uh, beneficial. You know, Neville's not the flashiest guy, but you know, he, he does the dirty work pretty well. So um, yeah, last season for him was pretty rough because it wasn't his roster, but you know, the amount of cleaning that they've done with players, you know, this is firmly filled Neville's roster and um, I, you know, yeah, his leash is a bit shorter um this season. You know, I don't think uh, the owners will tolerate, you know, multi-game losing streaks anymore. So, yeah, I, I think it's a bit do or die for him.
2: Speaking of the owners, how much of an impact does uh, Jorge something? I'm blanking on his last name. How much of an impact do you think he had on the, shall we say, manipulation of mm-hmm. roster rules?
3: Jorge Moss, I, I believe. Honestly, uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't think I haven't gone into too much detail with that. I think it's just um, you know, trying to just, you know, skirt around the rules, maybe do some things under the table so the league doesn't get got. But, uh, you know, reading, rereading that athletic article where it details what happened behind the scenes, I do believe that uh, they reported it as soon as they found discrepancies. So I, I don't think it was anything malicious. I think it was, Oh, maybe can we get away with this? You know? And then they're like, okay, well, let's just report this thing. So it's not any worse for, for them. But um yeah, I, I think with the entire sanction issue, I think it just shows even, you know, with Blaise Matuidi's performance on the field, it's, it, it wasn't the wisest move to, to do that for for a guy like Matuidi. So um. Yeah, the uh, the ownership, you know, they've, they've learned their lessons and, um, you know, hopefully it doesn't happen again. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that wouldn't be good for the league if that happened again. No. No. Kind of an embarrassing yeah. outcome. But jumping back to the players, who do you see as being a potential breakout star for Inter-Miami this year? Is there one player who really sticks out as potentially having a – big impact on their season this year?
3: Mm, I'll say John Muttung. Um Miami acquired him from Santos. Uh, last night's friendly. He was absolutely huge. Um, he was an absolute engine. He was all over the pitch, you know, spraying balls all over, all over the place. Uh, he, you know, he's a proper box-to-box uh, midfielder. You know, Chris Henderson described him as a DP without being a DP, which is, uh, you know, you got to be careful with that, knowing Miami's, uh, you, know, <laughs> you know, your previous, you know, yeah, discrepancies with that but uh yeah John Mata I think he'll, he'll have a he'll have a, a big year I think you know look at looking at Gregor last year that Chris Henderson brought in from Bahia he he was a stud he was absolutely brilliant so uh was John Mata I think it'll be something uh very similar
2: and who do you think has been the biggest loss hmm. in Miami this year
3: hmm. I think I'll say Lewis Morgan I, I think you know, yes, he did regress a little bit, but I think, you know, he was just uh, because of the sanctions, someone needed to go, and he was one of the higher earners on the team, and you know, probably one of the more valuable players that Miami could wheel and deal. Um, I would have been interested to see how he fit into this new, new look in Miami. I know they're going to be switching between a bunch of different formations, but you know that that back three would have suited him as a, you know, not as not as a wing back, but more of as like a you know out and out winger, but uh, yeah, it's unfortunate for Lewis, but uh, I do believe Miami traded him to a pretty good, you know, really good situation up there in, in New York. Uh, you know, the Red Bulls, they have that high-pressing system, re- really quick, really direct, uh, pretty young roster, so I-, I think he'll definitely do well um, up there.
2: And this year, you have started on the beat for Inter-Miami. Uh, mm-hmm. You're a reporter for them. What has that initial experience been like? Have you been any like interview media sessions, stuff like that yet?
3: Oh, yeah, actually um, a, quite a couple. I think actually they're holding a, a preseason closed door friendly against DC United uh, where, you know, press is allowed and I'll be up there on Saturday. Yeah, it's, they, they're super accommodating to, you know, every reporter, you know, they're, you know, if you want to interview someone, you know, nine times out of 10, they'll let you um, they're super great yeah I, I I love I love covering the team because they're so accommodating I will say you know the first two years obviously they're they're not they you know they're the, the success on the pitch wasn't it wasn't there but um, yeah as far as that goes they they've been they've been great and you know the beat is is really fun you know I write for five recent sports so it's a local uh, Miami you know you know sports site so um, yeah and they're trying to expand their soccer coverage so just he's trying to add on to to, to their, you know, soccer coverage while covering Inter-Miami and some other soccer. It's it's just been brilliant, really.
2: Josh, Drew, you have any sort of last questions you want to ask Alex before we let her enjoy the rest of her evening?
1: Uh, yeah, so you mentioned a couple of different formations that Phil Neville was wanting to try out. What do you expect from them from like a tactical sense? Do you think he's going to stick with the back three? As the main uh, formation that they like to work out of, or what do you think is going to be the case for them tactically?
3: Mm, I think that uh, you know the back three was well back five last year. It was more out of a necessity because well Neville didn't really have the players that he wanted to. Um, I think they'll probably start out the season in a back three, depending on uh, what players that they acquire over the next couple of weeks. But I do see that um, you know depending on the opposition, they'll they'll probably switch to a four two three one, four three three. Um, you know, just depending on who they play. And also, like I said, you know, if they get a, a, a if, you know, when they buy them a Tweety and they get a number 10, you know, the four two three one will probably be back in question. But um, for, for now, I think it's a, a back three. I think they'll stick with that. And, you know, when they're comfortable to to move on to other things and based off the opposition, they'll, they'll probably switch to a flat back four.
0: I think one last for me, you know, the season – coming up here in about a month preseason things starting kind of looking ahead what do you think is a reasonable expectation for inter miami fans to have like if the club finishes at this around this point either you know in the eastern conference or just you know the overall table where do you think inter miami fans can kind of expect this club to be when the season's over
3: Mm, fighting for a playoff spot i don't think they'll be top of the east or anything but I do think that, you know, seventh, sixth seed is reasonable. You know, I I I'm not, you know, don't expect them to run the gauntlet with with in MLS. You know, it it's it's not easy. And plus they got rid of a lot of players and, you know, a lot of new incomings have uh, come in. So it'll take a while to gel, but I do think once they start clicking, they'll they'll be fighting for a lower seed playoff spot and Maybe they could make a U.S. Open Cup run. I know that they've spoken about that, but, you know, due to the pandemic, they've not – the club hasn't been able to participate. So, um, yeah, low playoff seed and maybe a, a U.S. Uh, Open Cup run.
2: Well, if nobody has anything else, Alex, thank you for joining us. Uh, we appreciate it. This has been, like, ten months in the making or something. <laughs> uh yeah <laughs> we've been sidetracked a few times and <laughs> scheduling conflict issues um but good luck on the beat this year hopefully it isn't as terrible as Inter miami were last year although that's probably going to be hard to beat oh yeah <laughs> and i hope the u.s lose on sunday
3: <laughs> oh i don't know about that but <laughs> But yeah, thank you, thank you for having me on. It's it it was a good talk, good talk.
1: And thanks again so much to Alex Winley for joining us. Please check out her stuff. She's writing constantly about Inter Miami, and as we mentioned, she is on the beat there for them, doing great work and is just so great about her reporting. Uh, That's how I get all my Inter Miami news. I just follow her on Twitter.
2: Uh, Her link to her Twitter will be in the description of the podcast. I forgot to mention that during the interview, Um, but Her social will be down in the description. Yeah, so
1: so please go click on that link. Check her out. Really, really good reporting. Like I said, you want to keep up with her, Miami? She's your go-to. But jumping into some broader MLS news, uh, we touched on this last week's podcast, but it is now official. Casper Shabilko was traded to Chicago from the Philadelphia Union, who have signed DP striker Michael Yor and would he come from uh, Bromby? Brom,
0: same place as came from.
1: Okay, then I think it was is either Bromby
2: or Hammerby. one of those. Bromby, uh, there you go. They're both places. Highlight it. <laughs> well, you don't have it listed. Oh my god, we're very yeah. Prepared. Well, I know.
1: Oh, I, I I am sorry. I, I put this in here and then I I just totally forgot to. Uh...
2: Give me a second. I'll find it. Uh, All right.
1: Yeah, so he's Danish, and yeah, he just joined from Bronby. Um, I guess you'd pronounce it Brøndby.
2: Yeah, Brøndby yeah, is it the,
1: the umlao, isn't that what that is, or whatever, the two dots. Anyway, well, I'm it, not going to talk about it. No, it's not. It's like the cross through the O. Oh, then whatever I was just looking at, transfer market has it uh, notated differently. But you're right, I have seen that as well. well. But anyway... He's the Philadelphia Union's newest DP striker, obviously a, a sort of Shibilko replacement. And they still have Julian Carranza? Yeah. Is he the player they got? I can never remember if it's Carranza or Pellegrini.
2: Yeah, that it was is Carranza. still here in the US. There you go. Uh I'll do, I'll check that again too. <laughs> yeah, might as well. Not doing well. Uh
1: I'll go ahead and ask Drew. What do you think about this uh DP signing for Philadelphia? We talked about this last week, but they only have one DP in, up until now, and it's Jamiro Montero. They've never really used this slot for any kind of players. Uh so what do you make of the move and what kind of expectations do you think we should set for Michael Ewer?
2: It is Carranza. Yeah.
1: It is Kranza. Nice. We got it right.
0: Yeah, I think like you said, um, it's kind of a Shibuco replacement, although I don't think you can count I don't think it's reasonable to expect him to come in and Automatically put up Shabilko like numbers with this guy. Uh yeah, I mean, one of Danish uh golden boot last season, 21 goals and six assists and 34 competition appearances, uh, one player of the year last year. Um, he's played a little bit for the Denmark national team. Uh, he made his international debut in November in a World Cup qualifier against Scotland. So this guy is a good player. Uh, he came on a $2.8 million transfer fee. So they spent a lot of money on him. Yeah, so I think there's some high expectations for this player. Um, I don't think it's a direct Shabilko, you know, come in your first season, perform like he did, because Shabilko's kind of been doing this year in the year out for the Union. But I think there are some expectations. This is a club that's used to winning by now. Supporter Shield, uh, making you know conference deep playoff runs, being conference finals and things like that, making Champions League runs. So I think there is some expectation for him, given who he is replacing in the club he is joining, that's used to winning. But I don't think you can be expecting, you know, a golden boot or, you know, 20 goals or anything like that. I think if he gets, if he hovers around double digit, nah, if he, if he gets at least 13 goals, I think if his like combined goals and assists is 15, I think that's a good first season for him in MLS. So I think there's some expectation for it, but I think there needs to be some calm and reasonable expectations for him, given that he's coming into a new league. We know how hard MLS is, especially with, you know, this compact season, trying to get in all before the World Cup starts later this year and just this crapshoot of playing in Philadelphia. Then you got to go to a baseball field the next day and stuff like that. So he's a good player, but I'm hovering around. If he gets about 15 combined goals and assists, I think it'll be a good solid first year in the league but he's going to be, he looks like he's going to be a good player for Philadelphia because he's torn it up in the previous teams. So I think Philadelphia should be really excited about it. Um, it seems like they're not really slowing down after Shaboko leaving. So good signs for Philadelphia. Obviously, we know that's a team that's used to winning, with Jim Curtin always being one of the best commanders in the league. But, yeah, I think it just means good things for Philadelphia that they're not really slowing down after Shaboko leaves.
1: Yeah, I, I'm kind of in the same boat. I think 15 goals is a good... Uh, sort of expectation to set for having a DP striker. And also because, I mean, you look at Philadelphia and they've been so strong on the field, with the, the only category they've really been lacking in is scoring goals. So if this guy is able to score 15 goals. I mean, that automatically boosts Philadelphia's chances at getting some more silverware this year. Uh, but sticking in the Eastern Conference, another team that signed a, a DP attacker and actually ended up signing two attackers, uh, sort of winger, central midfielder, Facundo Torres, 21 years old, and striker Ergen Cara, uh, from Rapid Vienna. This is Orlando City making big moves this week. Oscar Perejar getting some reinforcements. Obviously, Orlando needed some new guys in because they lost Nani and Chris Mueller and Daryl DK. Connor, what do you make of Orlando City's moves, and how would you sort of grade them adding Facundo Torres, who is the DP
2: attacker, just 21, and then Arjen well, they're not wasting any time replacing, which is a good sign. Um, they could have sat and sort of tried to work through it with uh, Pato and Akandele if he's still there. But they're being aggressive. They're going out and they're trying to bring in some new quality talent. I think Facundo Torres bringing him to MLS is uh interesting risk, potentially could be very profitable. For them, Kara is more of a, I guess, one of your players you're not looking to sell on. So they're making moves, they're making additions, and I think that's only a good thing. uh, Because they've, as you said, had a lot of outgoing players, especially in the attack. And they needed to bring in some new players. So Torres and Kara are just the beginning, I think.
1: Yeah, and I just want to point out, I mean, these moves are such an encapsulation of like how MLS is now. First of all, they're not waiting until the summer, which has kind of been the norm in MLS for most teams. A lot of teams have started getting aggressive in January because they recognize the importance of starting the season strong, as opposed to waiting for those reinforcements later in the year. And because of how late that transfer window is, most of those players that sign the summer don't even get adjusted to the league by the end of the season. So it's great to see that aggressiveness from Orlando, and it's nice to see that in the league in general now. Plus, they're adding a young attacker, a young 21-year-old that, like you mentioned, Connor, they can sell on. And they just spent the club record, I think, a club record fee of $7.5 million on Torres. And then at the same time, you're getting this more proven guy, dude that's in his prime in Cara. And that's just, I think that's, you know, you see that in MLS so often now. There are teams that are willing to go get in-prime guys while also building up these younger players that they know they can make money off of. So I think it's just really cool to be seeing that Drew looked like you had something. And I also want your opinion on sort of how you see Orlando and what you make of their moves and, 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 and what you make of them and, and how fast it's been and how smart you think they're, they're being about this.
0: Yeah. I think the main thing I just wanted to add was that this is the first real off season that the Will family has had with Orlando city after becoming the club's majority owners. I want to say like the middle of last season, I don't remember the exact date, but yeah, I mean, just like echoing what you guys have said, Continuing on, and this is just a good sign that this is the first off season of this new ownership group, and it doesn't seem like there's been a hiccup or anything like that. That there hasn't been a, you know, try, trying out the league, especially given the craziness that the world has been in for the past two years. But yeah, the ownership group has come in in weird times, and has, you know, both on the transfer market side of things and replacing. It feels like a ton of really good players, but they're flying around with a lot of money, selling players for a lot of money, buying players from a lot of money. With, like you said, the possibility of selling them on. Um, we've seen that be really good pieces of business with multiple players across the league in Orlando City. It just seems like this is the newest edition of that trend in MLS. So it's been good to see new owners coming into a club that has built a recent tradition of winning, but still has yet to you know finish it off, obviously. And I think when you have clubs around you, specifically when you have Atlanta that just won MLS Cup and not its very long history, there's this expectation of winning. And yeah, the Will family and it's first season, keep and keep you know pushing the agenda in this league. So I think that's a good sign for Orlando City. And like Connor said, I think this is just the first of a lot of these type of transfers for Orlando because if they have this money, if they're doing this in their first offseason and the league continues to grow like we think it's going to, I mean, if you you know if they keep ownership of the club in five years, there's no telling what this ownership group's going to do but a good sign for sure in their first off season running the club.
1: Yeah. And one other thing I just want to add before we move on, I saw a quote somewhere. I can't remember where it was from, probably a, an article of some kind, but it was Orlando's technical director, whose name escapes me at the moment, but he was saying, not all, like, they think of Torres as a top three player, not just from Uruguay, which is his home country and where Pen Penarol is from, but they think he's a top three player in all of South America. So they highly rate Torres, and for them to show the ambition to go after a player like that is pretty big and very exciting, of course. Like Drew said, they're very close. They're so close to getting over that last hump of finally delivering some trophies to their fan base, which has been so supportive of them since they came to the league. Uh, Moving on, though, a club that's not so great with their supporters, not the best of relationships, FC Dallas. But maybe this will improve their relationship with supporters because they are showing lots of ambition here. They are going hard after Alan Velasco of Independiente. Uh, He is another one of those South American players, and this is coming from Argentina, who is very young. I think he's only 19 or 20, and he has been sought after in the past, I'm assuming, by some European clubs. But right now it's FC Dallas that's going after him big time especially after selling Ricardo Pepe recently. It's rumored to be about $7.5 million as the base transfer fee, if I remember correctly, and that could easily rise up to about $10 million. And it's definitely going to be a club record for FC Dallas. Uh, there have been very on and off rumors and reports about Velasco joining, uh, and this is usually what happens with Independiente. A very similar situation happened with Ezekiel Barco when he was in the process of joining Atlanta United. And I believe another player as well in recent years, uh, Independiente's, oh, there was a failed move with an Independiente player to Atlanta. That's right. Uh, I can't remember who the player was. I think it was last year, but they don't have the best relationship with uh, selling their players. But it looks like it's going to be a, a big chunk of change. So those uh, rumors and reports have been on and off. But today, FC Dallas announced that they traded 250000 in GAM to Seattle Foreign International slot. And everybody's like, oh, I wonder why they're getting this international slot. So the writing's kind of on the wall here. It looks like the Velasco signing is all but done. I just real quick wanted your guys' opinions on a move like this, especially after selling Ricardo Pepe for a historic fee for a domestic teenager and the second highest ever outgoing transfer from MLS. So what do you guys make of Dallas going after Velasco? And how risky do you think this is? Personally, this feels like a risky move to me.
2: I think it is a risky move, but I think it's one that FC Dallas can make. They just brought in $20 million bucks from the Pepe deal. They have Jesus Ferreira locked up long-term. Uh, they just brought in Paul Ariola. So they can take a swing at a guy who could potentially be incredibly good. Um, I side more with, I think, it will potentially work out. Obviously, there's always that risk involved, as we've seen with numerous different uh, South American talents coming to MLS, like Diego Rossi and Brian Rodriguez. But I think it's a good move for FC Dallas to make because Velasco is also coming into one of the best development systems probably in the world. I'd put them in sort of that second tier of, top development systems, Ajax obviously being number one, but I think with the amount of talent that FC Dallas has outputted in recent years could be a really, really good thing for not only them, but Velasco as well. Um, yeah. And in regards to the Gam trade, this is just what an international slot is worth at this point. Like, every single trade seems to be 250,000 bucks. So yeah, they're paying the market value. That's not really much else to it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think Dallas, when you think about FC Dallas, right? Like Connor said, you think about the best in MLS. not even close as far as producing young talent that goes on and tears it up in Europe and various, you know, whatever we have a ton of examples to choose from, but like Josh said, it's relationship with the supporters. Like this club is good. This club develops young players, but they don't really have a trophy to show for it. And then when you have these type of signings after these types, you know, the Pepe transfer and things like that, you have all this money. I kind of feel like you have to make these risky moves. Like you said, Josh, like this does feel like a risky move, I think because it is a risky move, but there's a chance that you wasted, you know, 7.5, 7 million, whatever it is. And doesn't work out, but I mean, we've seen that all over the place, right? We've talked about we haven't even talked about Ezekiel Barkley and River Plate, but Atlanta spent that crap ton of money for him that hasn't panned out at all. And yeah, that's part of the business, that's part of how it works. But like Connor said, this move does work out. You spend seven mil on this kid from South America, and you get a Miguel and type situation where you're selling him, you know, for twenty mil to Europe or something like that. That's a possibility, I think, and given Dallas's successful track record of training. And developing these young players. Cause yeah, this kid is what he's 19 years old. So this guy is definitely not even close to the peak. He's definitely still developing. Um, I think this can be a risky move, but this is also something that could be so big for Dallas. They could actually you know, be successful on the field, not just successful in producing talent and things like that. So I think this, this is a risky move, but I mean, in this league, that's, growing and we're seeing, you know, different teams doing it. We're seeing Orlando city do it. We're now we're seeing Dallas do it like to keep up with this league and not become irrelevant. Um, you kind of have to make these moves. So Dallas kind of feels like they've been lagging behind as far as spending the big bucks on players like this. It always feels like they're that, you know, they have all the homegrowns their homegrowns are playing good, but they're, they've always been, you know, a DP away from really contending for MLS cup or supporter shield. So I think this could turn out to be really well. This could lead them to a trophy. And it could lead them to a lot of money in the future, but t- depending on a sell-on. But I think this is just Dallas you know, getting into this part of the league because I feel like they've been behind on this for so long.
1: Yeah, definitely a big move no matter what. And again, just good ambition from FC Dallas. Personally, I think it's risky just because Velasco really wanted to go to Europe. And it seemed like the player was trying to hold out for that. And it only took, you know, FC Dallas being the only real player uh, in the, in the market in terms of going after Velasco to send Velasco to MLS over Europe. And then also Dallas's track record of, of international signings is not good. It's just not good. So clearly this kid is talented and he's really good. And, you know, I hate to use the P word, but he's got that potential. Hopefully it translates. I don't want another Barco situation going on here in MLS because after three years, it just, well, four years, I guess. I don't want to say it's been embarrassing, like as an Atlanta fan, but like just, you know, you spent all that money on Barco and nothing really ever came about from it, it seemed like. So hopefully it doesn't happen to Dallas.
2: Can we quickly talk about Barco for a second? It's not on our list, but what is happening with him? Where is he going? Well, River Plate uh,
0: seems to be
1: yeah. the main source. Looks like it's source. all but done. I think he's getting his medical done tomorrow, actually. It's finally been approved by MLS. Interesting. Is that going to be a loan or a purchase? Loan with purchase option to buy.
2: How long is the loan?
1: At least a year,
2: at if least. not longer. Fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're breaking the roster rules come July.
1: No, it will definitely be at least a year or longer.
2: Interesting. That was a failed experiment and he showed the fun as as at the Olympics too.
1: I, I mean, look, I would say he played really well this year, but if he had been performing at that kind of level, at least the last two years, we'd have probably a different perception about him, but because it just happened this year and even then he kind of cooled off by the end of the season. But look, it's going to be really awkward when Atlanta loans Barco to River Plate for a year and River Plate's like, oh, now we get it. We don't really want to <laughs> keep him. And then Atlanta has to take them back on the books. Well, they already have Tiago Almada and Luis Arujo and Joseph Martinez. They're not getting rid of any of those three. So it's going to be really awkward if River Plate decides they don't want Barco or nobody else decides they want Barco after a year of him being on loan. But we shall see.
2: Yeah. If they don't pick up that purchase option, you're in a little bit of trouble. Let's put it that way.
1: (laughs) I'll be excited for the uh, MLS roster gymnastics that'll have to take place uh should that part of me like the chaos inside of me like wants to see that happen just for like like just to see that play out and And you know like all the reports that would come out about it and like all the people like i could just see the up and down news cycle already in my head uh but back to some signings that uh have recently been uh, announced they have occurred big one charlotte fc signed their first legitimate designated player striker carl sviderski who is from somewhere i for some reason <laughs> we decided not to put in uh where sviderski is from so let's do a quick google search
2: i i would do it but i don't know how to spell Swaversky or swiderski
1: I accidentally spelled it wrong. I spelled it with a Q instead of a W. So it looks like Skeeterski. Nice. Um, I can't. Oh, he just came from uh, PAOK in. uh, Oh, Greece. Greek. Yeah, that's the group like the best Greek team. What do you say? You call it Pauk? I was going to say, is that how you actually pronounce it? I don't know. I was nervous to say just Pauk. And so that's why I said P-A-O-C. I I think
2: it's PAOK.
1: Yeah, that's what I meant to say. Wow, I still said it wrong. Did you? Yeah, I said C instead of K. It's P-A-O-K. But anyway, um, he's also a uh, consistent player for the Poland national team. So not like we don't know any Polish national players. (coughs) Robert Lewandowski. Um, So that's pretty cool. That's Charles' first first ever DP.
2: You went to Lewandowski when you had a literal MLS player from Poland that we talked about on this episode.
1: No recollection. Could not have had to do anything with me eating a hat. Nothing of the sort.
2: <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. And uh, how could we forgot
1: Frankowski from Chicago Fire, who is also playing somewhere in Europe now?
2: Yeah, exactly. He spent uh, a hot second. Forgot here. he even existed, to be honest. Uh, but Swiderovski, who, uh, who everybody's going to say his name incorrectly for the next... Probably year until he either tears up the league or disappears into oblivion. Uh interesting decision from Charlotte going the European route for a DP. Um I guess he's technically, as you said, their first D P kind of. I don't know if you want to count McGee um or McGree. But well,
1: no, there's actually a, a young designated player that they have, but I think that contract can be bought down to Tam or it already has or whichever, but this is like the first out and out legit like designated player that Charlotte signed. I can't remember the player's name off the top of my head. Young
2: DP is a different designation like U 22 initiative or no, like
1: young DP, like Ezekiel Barco is a young designated player, but he's not a U22 player.
2: Got it. Okay. So he counts in that you're allowed to use the three U22 initiative slots, but he counts as a DP. Okay. Um, Yeah, I don't know. They need to bolster their lineup. I think that's pretty obvious. You're going to do that through designated players. And now they have a striker. Hopefully. We'll see. So, yeah, I think he's done well for Poland, hasn't he? I don't know.
1: I mean, the only Polish striker I know that's going to start for them all the time is Robert Lewandowski. So, fair (laughs) enough. You know, never really heard about old Carl here.
2: Okay. Drew, what do you think about... Uh, I'm not going to say his name because I want to hear you try to say it. Uh,
0: old Carl here. Carl Svadersky. I there think you is go. how you pronounce it. There we go. We're on it now. Um, yeah, I mean, it's so hard to really form anything on him because he's an expansion side. I mean, the team's probably not going to be the best in the world. In the NLS story, um, he talked about Mentioning, you know, discussing MLS with other Polish players that we talk about. Um, Adam, Eat My Hat Booksa with the Reds and players like that. So that's just, you know, a continuing trend. 25, he's six feet tall, so just that, you know, kind of a big tall target in the box. So I mean, we'll see how Charlotte play. I mean, not really sure what to expect from Charlotte in their first season, but like you said, Connor, I mean, I feel like to be successful, you need a player like that to tear it up. So Good sign, he's young. He's not, you know, he's only 25. He still has good years ahead of him. Pull a national team, obviously impressive. So I mean, not a whole lot to say about it because you don't know anything about Charlotte right now. You don't know anything about him, you know, but good sign for sure, ending into your first year that you're willing to spend money on these guys.
2: Cool. Let's talk Brad Smith, because he also was traded today. Uh, Also, he was traded today from Seattle to D.C., apparently. Uh, He's likely going to be the Kevin Paredes, uh, who we discussed earlier, replacement. $750,000 in GAM, plus a 10% sell-on fee uh, for interleague transfers. That's interesting. I've never seen that before. Has that happened?
1: Did I do the wrong? I always get interleague and interleague confused. Which one is outside of MLS?
2: Oh, it's only for outside of MLS.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's an outside MLS thing. It's not
2: an in-league. Okay, never mind then. That happens all the time. Um, I don't know. I, you've confused me at this point. Brad Smith, long-time Seattle player, kind of in that he was there and then left and then came back. Big kind of loss for them. Quickly because we have three more things we want to get to before our meeting runs out in nine minutes. Josh, what are your thoughts on Brad Smith?
1: Great move. Good signing by DC. Guy who's already familiar with the league, has already played at a high level for a winning team. Yeah. As long as he doesn't get injured from Hernan Lasada's crazy fitness regimen, he'll be good.
2: Cool. Uh, Minnesota United have bought out... Thomas Chacon, uh, his contract. He was a U twenty two initiative player. Played, I think, a grand total of six games total for them. No, probably not even. It's just such a shame.
1: I and I, Minnesota have royally effed up this this signing. I'm just I'm angry at them for this, to be honest with you.
2: We'll see where he ends up next. I wonder if he potentially signs with another MLS team, like the hey he could be another u22 initiative sign
1: dude if i was him i'd be like get me out of this freaking country i came here to play <laughs> soccer and they wouldn't even let me into the into the training facility
2: all right fair enough well speaking of interleague moves francisco calvo has joined san jose earthquakes he was most recently playing with chicago and then they got rid of everybody and he's also played for minnesota i believe he was a dp right I think so for them in like 2017,
1: like the beginning.
2: Yeah. So I guess a quality player who I assume is not going to be a DP. um, We'll see. I don't know. Look, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Matias Almeida wants out. He's probably just saying, how can I screw this team as much as I can before I leave? That's what it feels like. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, Either of you, any thoughts on this?
0: I hope he's ready to run around. That's all I got.
1: better be ready to run expert analysis (laughs) it's almost like that's that's what i should that's what i should have said about brad smith hope he's ready to run around (laughs) it's like that's like both those teams right there
2: yeah pretty much one of those teams that doesn't do that though because it very didn't work was toronto fc um they normally we wouldn't talk about this but they released their training camp roster and there were some interesting things in it First of all, a number of TFC two players, uh, a couple of players on trial. Notable omissions, however. Well, these two aren't very notable because we knew they wanted out, or one of them wants out, and the other one. Well, he's very expensive. Josie Altidore and Jefferson Sataldo are not part of the training camp roster. Another player who's reportedly uh, TFC want a move, want a trade, uh, is Kamar Lawrence. Left back, they brought him in last summer. And finally, Jonathan Asorio. Now, I've seen a few things rumbling, like, oh, could this be an inter- just because he's on international duty? Could he be getting a transfer? I don't know anything. I think we hold out uh, making any sweeping opinions or judgments until we do know anything. The most notable thing, however, and the thing I enjoyed the most... Sebastian Giovinco is training with Toronto FC. Uh Bill Manning did an interviewer gave a quote to I believe it was Steve Buffery from the Toronto Sun where he said Giovinco wants to come back. It's not a money issue. It's just whether or not he fits with the team. So we're very possibly looking at a reunification of Toronto FC and Sebastian Giovinco's relationship. Um, Based on that, I'd assume it's a very, very cheap contract. Would be a lot of fun. It would make Toronto's front line probably the shortest in the league with Giovinco and Lorenzo Insigne. uh, And potentially, if it happens, Therese Mertens. But, yeah, quickly, either of you have any thoughts on any of those Toronto stories?
1: I am so excited at the possibility of Sebastian Jovinko coming back. So excited. Like, I, I don't know how much he'd have to give, but like, give me more. Like, I've, I've missed him being in the league. I, I didn't get to fully appreciate him uh, because I was so new to MLS when I first started paying attention while he was still here.
2: True.
0: I. Turno's going to be really good. <laughs> That's all I got for you. Turno's going to be really good.
2: He will be a lot of fun as a potential super sub if they use him like that. Uh, coming on late game, his free kicks will be just unbelievable. I'm very excited. Uh, I hope he comes back. I want him to come back. So, he's
1: about to be the superest of subs like the most super of subs of all time.
2: I don't know about that. He's 30. Is
1: superest a word?
0: no I
2: just made it up but all right. that good he won nothing the better Columbus, thing you would have said is he will be the atomic, atomic sub uh, um that is yeah, for right. certain there you go it was a game uh, Christian if you don't get that struggle Putting hands. it mildly it was a we game where Zach need Steffen to talk about was due to a back Let's injury about, and about DeAndre Edling was still stuck in Turkey after their snowstorm what did you guys think about that game I only saw the first half were you happy with that performance? Where do you think they should have improved? Does this make you worried about the rest of the games, this window?
0: Um, First, I'm not too worried about the rest of the games in the window. I am worried about this upcoming game. Was it Wednesday in Canada? Uh, that's the only Sunday. one. What did you say? Wednesday, Monday,
2: Sunday in Hamilton.
0: Sunday yeah I think that's the one that I'm most worried about but the game was so I think clear improvement was the finishing um a couple chances at goal that I thought should have been converted into goals but only getting out there with a one nothing win I totally I, at one point it was like 15 shots and one goal something crazy like that so I think an area that needs to be improved is the finishing um whether it was you know his Fury Slack on Twitter, I actually thought he wasn't as bad as social media it kind of made him out to be, even though he didn't, he had two good chances. One of them was pretty hard and the other one was pretty bad to put away, but he did get an assist on the goal. So I thought he didn't do nearly as bad as social media made him out to be. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a pretty bad win only beating El Salvador when they, like you said, in Columbus. Um, but at the end of the day, especially when you're at home, getting those wins is super important. Um, again, looking ahead to this Canada game that it's going to be 50% capacity. So it's not going to be as difficult as it could have been, but yeah, I'm not worried about, you know, the rest of qualification. I think if they get, I mean, seven points out of this window, then I'm, then I think the U S is sitting pretty, if they can get a draw, um, against Canada and then close out the window with another win over, I totally forgot who their last game of the window is going to be. Honduras. But, I'm not, Honduras, but I'm not too worried about it. It was a gross win, kind of ugly. Some players didn't play very good. Some players played really good. Um, but I'm not worried about it in the finishing, I think, is the only thing that I think could improve. The only chance I'm really thinking that El Salvador had just came off a center back. I think Walker's never made a bad pass. El Salvador kind of made a pay. I think it was Alex Roldan that had a shot that just went wide. It was the only really good chance that's coming to my head for El Salvador. So defense I thought was good, keeping a clean sheet, but the finishing has got something. Josh, what did you think of the game? What players kind of stood out to you, whether for good or for bad? And how do you feel about, you know, the rest of the window and the rest of qualifying?
1: Yeah, you know, I think it was a bit scrappy and it was a bit – Kind of like a grind, I guess, in terms of the result itself being just one nil. But the U.S. I mean, they they played really well, in my opinion. Um, and I kind of wish that you know, Ferreira maybe put away one of his couple of golden chances that he had just to make the scoreline match the game itself a little more. I think the expected goals was like three to point two. Uh, El Salvador did not really get anything going. Like Drew said, it was like the one rolled on chance, and then the other slight mistake kind of at the back. So just a pretty good overall performance in the U S even if it didn't feel like it. And I think another positive as well is that Ricardo Pepe didn't play at all. So he'll be super fresh for the last two games. Miles Robinson didn't play at all. So he'll be super fresh. So you've got some nice rotation options coming up, I think for the U S personally, I'm a little worried. Uh, Weston McKinney looked pretty injured at the end of the game. And then even Sergio desk kind of pulled up lame at one point in the final second. So hopefully those are just small little knocks and it's not going to affect the team too much. As far as like moving forward, I am not expecting a result against Canada. I, I mean, even without them missing Alfonso Davies, I mean, you look at what they did uh, down in Honduras. They're, they looked really good. Sorry to jump in here, but they're also
2: missing potentially Stephen Eustecchio.
1: Right, because he was on the bench for tonight's game, which was weird because then he test for? Yes, for COVID, he tested like really positive recently? for COVID
2: this week. Um, so we'll right now. The Canada law is you can't enter the country if you've had COVID for 10 days. The Ontario law is five days. So what they're theorizing is they might ask the Canadian government to make an exception so that he could come in within five days or after five days of testing positive. But yeah, it's a coin toss, honestly. like He wasn't on the bench tonight. He was listed on the bench, but he wasn't actually on the bench. Um, so, yeah. And the Canadian midfield's looking a little weak right now, but I'll talk about that in a second. Um, back to your thoughts on U.S. against Canada.
1: Yeah, I mean, even without Eustachio, I still think Canada's got the advantage, and especially being at home, even if it is in front of a smaller crowd. Um, I mean, they're they're just so clearly the best even CONCACAF right now and throughout these World Cup qualifiers, I mean they still have yet to get a loss. So uh, but yeah, I, I think those were a couple of positives for the US. One major disappointment for me though, Christian Pulisic, man. He he doesn't look like he knows how to play the soccer anymore. That was bad. It's so unfortunate. And I I like what Matt Doyle was saying on Twitter. He was saying that Pulisic should play on the right wing because he plays a simpler game over there and he's just more efficient. Uh, but even then, I just don't know if right now with how little Polisic is playing for Chelsea and how open he's been about some of those struggles right now. I'm just not even sure he would have contributed much on that right side. Frankly, I, I, I wish Brendan Aronson had gotten the start over Pulisic. Uh, And I've said this many times before, but I feel like Polisic is better served coming off the bench anyway. I think he's good use for a super sub because when you're playing these qualifiers and you're having to do all this travel, you're fighting way harder than you would for any normal soccer game. Uh, bringing Pulisic on around the 60th or or 70th minute is like such an advantage because you got all these tired guys and you have Pulisic who's super fresh and can really run at him for for that last 20, 30 minutes of a game. So I just don't know if he's really being utilized correctly. Would it have made much of a difference tonight? I don't know. Like I said, I still felt pretty good about the U.S.'s performance, even if others didn't feel so hot. Uh, But I'm just – I am starting to get a little little worried about Pulisic, and I – I think I would be concerned if he got the start against Canada, even though he probably will.
2: That was going to be my question. Does Christian Pulisic start on Sunday?
1: I think it would be weird for Burhalter to not start Pulisic. But I, you know, of course, I would prefer him to start on the bench.
2: Drew, what do you think?
0: I think he does, and I think U.S. men's national team Twitter will either praise him for bouncing back or U.S. men's national team Twitter will explode because he'll play really bad. Um, I don't want him to, but I think he will. Because, yeah, like Josh said, that was pretty bad tonight, what we saw from him.
2: That wasn't the only game involving one of our two countries tonight. Canada played Honduras as well in uh, San Sula Suda something like that. Um, they had not won against Honduras since I think it's 1985. And they did it tonight to nothing win. Jonathan David scoring the second goal, an own goal off of a Taj Buchanan cross being the first one. No Stephen Eusekio, no Alfonso Davies, Samuel Piet coming off injured in the first half after a, Pretty brutal challenge, um, which caught his ankle quite badly. Milan Borian looking a little rough at times, uh, looking a little sore. Richie Lorea did not start. He was on the bench. Um Jonathan Osorio also on the bench. Rich uh it was Kyle Laren and Jonathan David up top. Junior Hoylett starting after coming off of injury. Really good performance from Canada. Did either of you watch this game? Nope. Didn't get a chance. No. I didn't see the goals, but that's it. You saw the goals. Let's talk about the goals, specifically the second goal. We heard Alfonso Davies' reaction. If you haven't seen that, check it out. It's great. What did you guys think about that goal? Which was better, the ball or the control?
0: Who made that pass? I did not. Liam Fraser. I think the pass was perfect. That's what I'm more impressed about. The touches were obviously awesome. Josh is nodding his head. Okay, Josh, shaking, go ahead. That's shaking, shaking, his head. shaking
1: my
3: head. Oh, <laughs>
1: <dang> <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean, don't get me wrong. It was a great ball from Liam Fraser, but as soon as he hit it, I was like, dang, he hit that pretty hard and like pretty driven. So for David to take that ball down the way he did, like it basically out of mid-airs to me. Far more impressive, though it was still a very good ball and obviously just a great goal between the two of them.
2: Yeah, uh, good sign for Sunday. Uh, Josh, we already heard your prediction. So I want a score from you. How badly will the U.S. lose by if they lose?
1: I'm going 2-0 Canada win. 2 nothing. Wow. Yeah, Dos Do Cicero. Who scores? Honestly, I mean, maybe the way it turned out tonight, Jonathan David and um, uh, T- Tajan Buchanan. I-, I just have a feeling Tajan's going to destroy whoever's. I mean, what is DeAndre Yedlin going to get out there? I mean, is is Buchanan a right back, uh, right wing or left wing? Uh, he's primarily
2: been playing on the right for Canada. Oh
1: crap! Okay. <laughs> Anthony Robinson, I mean, he just played, you know, his heart out tonight. He's gonna have to put in another huge shift. If we have any chance of slowing down uh, uh, Buchanan? So I'm, I'm very concerned about him. And then Jonathan David, I mean, that that goal that he scored tonight, that is a man in form. That is that's an informed goal. That's not a you know, you just pull that out of nowhere. No, that's a guy that is like knows how to score some goals right now and just keeps on doing it no matter what happens. So that's another. <laughs> And That's not even counting Kyle Laren. Uh, you know, Visecchio gets in there. I mean, it's just a whole, a whole nightmare for the 2 0. I feel very confident about that. True. What's your
2: prediction? One to one. Saying draw. Ooh. Interesting. Okay. I think I will probably follow in your footsteps and say, A 2-2 draw. I think it's going to be a bit of a goal fest. No? Okay. You're shaking your head.
1: By the way, if I was John Herdman, right, we've seen a noticeable pattern with the U.S. of slow first halves, tactical adjustments, much better second halves. If I was Herdman, I'd be like, yo, we are just going to go at these guys, immediately score on them in the first 15 minutes, maybe a couple times in the first half, and the U.S. will have no idea what's hit them because for whatever reason they're just so slow at the beginning. Doesn't matter who they're playing. Could be, well, they actually turned up okay against Mexico in the first half. But first half against Canada, the best team in Concacaf, not very good. First half against El Salvador, not the best team in Concacaf, not good. So like, doesn't even matter. So if I was Herdman, I'd be like, yo, let's just let's jump on these guys immediately and make them pay for being sluggish.
2: Who is quickly? This will be my last question before we wrap the pod. Who is the stupid player? John Herdman starts for absolutely no reason when there's someone who is better available. I don't know if I know
1: Canada's depth well enough to make a guess. Did um, I say John
2: Herdman? I meant Berhalter. Oh, you
1: meant Berhalter? Yes. Oh.
2: Oh, easily <laughs> Paul,
1: Paul Ariola. <laughs> no, no, he's going to start Paul Ariola. And no no one's going to like it. I'm not going to like it. <laughs> who sits? Who sits? Oh, uh, got It. He's probably going to sit like Timothy Weah. If he starts Polisic and Ariola together, <laughs> I will be furious. I will be furious. Like, yeah, please give me. But no, but that's like that's unrealistic, right? Because Pepe <laughs> didn't start, and like I don't know. Actually, maybe he doesn't start Pepe because he hasn't he hasn't scored in, in a hot minute since like December eighth. I think it was the last time I was against Jamaica in that World Cup qualifier. I I don't know. I, if I don't get Aronson or Weah. Both is golden, but if I don't get one or the other as a starter, I'm just I'm gonna rip, I'm gonna rip this jersey off my body.
2: <laughs> Drew, who's your guess?
1: Who I think is not going to start that should
0: or both. Both. Okay, who is not gonna start? That should start. Brendan Aronson is not going to start, and he should start the player that will start that should not start. No, did I say that right? I don't know. I think Ariola is going to start and he shouldn't, is what I'm saying. Really weird way to put that sentence. But Brendan Aaronson should start, but he will not. Paul Ariola should not start, but he will.
2: Okay. I'm going to also follow in your footsteps, say Tim Leah and Ariola. I'm also going to say Giassizardes Zardes is going to start and Pepe isn't. I think that's just. That- stupid thing he would do.
1: I don't think it's necessarily stupid, and I don't even think it's that crazy of an idea. Again, Pepe hasn't scored in a long time. Granted, neither has Zardis. He's artists, actually but...
2: played. <laughs> I <laughs> mean, yeah. He's yeah. played since November.
1: Fine. That's, that's <laughs> true. I mean, you're right.
2: It would be weird if... they. You're right, you're right. It would be stupid if he started Zardis over Pepe. So we'll see what Greg decides to do, what things he tinkers with. Um, but either way, it'll be probably the best game of the window as we wrap here, Costa Rica beat Panama one, nothing. So that is very positive implications for the top of the group, which involves Canada, U S and Mexico. Um, mm. So yeah, hopefully you didn't hear any of those things or anything like that, that came through uh, my mic or my audio. I don't know why my notifications are coming through zoom potentially, but it is what it is. Anybody have anything else they want to add? Any hot takes you want to make? Anything like that? Nope. Nope. All right. Drew, remember to include Alex. Wrap us.
0: Yes. Thank you all as always, listeners, for tuning into the podcast. We really appreciate it. And again, special, special shout out to Alex. Uh, for joining us to talk into Miami, um, she's awesome. At what she does, great reporter, great writer, great journalist, good friend. We're happy to have her on the podcast. After talking about it for a while now, we're always talking when you get Alex on a podcast. So happy to finally make that happen. And you can find Alex on Twitter at a a w underscore nineteen ninety eight. So give her a follower on Twitter. You can see where all Alex works, where all you can find her words, tweets, podcasts, things like that. So give her a follow on Twitter to catch up on into Miami news. You can follow us on Twitter, myself at underscore Drew Hubbard, Josh at Josh underscore Boland, and Connor at CWG Somerville. Check out all our fun soccer nonsense stuff as the season goes on and gets ready to happen. Um, you can check out MLS Multiplex on Twitter at MLS Multiplex and visit the website, MLSMultiplex.com, as our awesome team of writers continue to crank stuff out as the season gets ready here. Preseason already cranking on getting ready for mls action and not that long concaf champions league is in like two weeks so it is right around the corner so be sure to give the website a visit and as always leave a review on the podcast we love hearing ways of how we can get better and be sure to tune in next week because i am sure in the next seven days something of the weirds going to happen in mls and we will be here to talk about international stuff transfers and crazy things like that so be sure to tune in next week and we will talk to you then
2: For listening to the MLS Multiplex podcast. Check out all of the contributors' written work at MLSMultiplex.com.